Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's, let's just go ahead and get going today. I want to say this, if it's your first time here, we're glad that you're here with us either this morning live or uh, sharing with us on social media. We've been on a series right now uh, called The Greatest Gift of All. How many have been here and seen any of these? All of December, The Greatest Gift of All. And I've really enjoyed uh, preaching and talking about this. And how many know, if you've been here the last three weeks, you should know who is the greatest gift of all? Jesus. Kind of a pat answer, I know, but it's true. But we've been looking at all these different layers that Jesus has to offer. And I want to look at our main text this morning. I know for some of you, this is like week four of this. Week four. I did this. That's five. Week four. And, uh, you know, you've heard this scripture every single week, but I, I think it's one of those things that warrants being read again and again and again. And it's John three sixteen and 17. And I love it here from the mere translation because it's really showing us what this gift of Jesus is all about. But, but look at this in verse 16. Again, this is the mirror translation. It says, the entire cosmos. Say the entire cosmos. That's everything, all of creation. The entire cosmos is the object of God's affection. Some versions say, for God so loved the world. Isn't that beautiful? The soul loves of God. Look at this. And he is not about to abandon his creation. I'm telling you, you can take this to the bank. He's not about to abandon you, to abandon his creation. Now, I want you to catch this next part. I know we've read it four weeks in a row, but you've got to get this. The gift of his son, his son who? Jesus, who's a gift, is for humanity, that you and I, to do what? Realize their origin in him who mirrors their authentic birth, begotten not of flesh, but of the Father. I'm telling you, if we can get this down, folks, Jesus didn't come to point fingers and show you how bad you were. He would sit at tables with people that we would think, why would you sit with those people? And he showed them the good within them that they hadn't awakened to yet. He showed them the image and likeness that they were built in. Think about this. This is when we come alive. This is when we change, when we begin to realize who we truly are. But he says this, in this persuasion, you're being persuaded, the life of the ages echoes within the individual and announces that the days of regret and sense of lostness are what? Over. Look at verse 17. God has no intention to condemn anyone. He sent his son not to be the judge, but the savior of the world. So important. So important that we see this. The greatest gift ever given was Jesus. It was literally God giving himself to us as a gift, saying, here I am. I accept you where you are. Will you awaken to your true identity? And that's really the gospel in a nutshell. That's what we should be sharing with people. If people are acting crazy, if they act in a fool, there's a reason why. They don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. And it was so easy years ago for me to judge those people based on their actions. But now I actually see, wow, there's a brother, there's a sister who's lost. They don't, they don't know who's, whose family they belong to. And it completely changes how you evangelize, how you witness, how you soul win 
We're familiar with these terms, right? And so now I'm looking for ways to, how can I have relationship with this person to show them who they truly are? Does that make sense? And so we've talked every week about the importance of unwrapping the gift of Jesus because it has so many different layers. It's like this one gift that's multi-layered and there's so much to discover. And, you know, I don't have the whole year to do one series. We could, of course, but there's so many different facets and layers that we could. We're just taking a few weeks with this. And so I'm trying to really hone in on some things that I believe will help us see not just God correctly, but see ourselves correctly. Help us to walk out who we truly are. Because, man, I'm telling you, this whole journey in life is awakening to what's available to us. So today I want to talk about this idea, the gift of freedom. Say that with me, the gift of freedom. Now, of course, when I say the word freedom, we instantly draw or paint so many different pictures in our mind, so many different ideas of what this means. And, you know, I've talked about the idea of freedom in Christ several times since I've been preaching and teaching and so many different ideas of this. But today I really want to refer specifically to the freedom that we have. Listen to this. The freedom we have to experience peace, joy, life, and hope in Jesus. I really can't think of a better message as we come out of a crazy year and go into a new year that's going to probably be crazy for a little while. I can't think of a better way to, to end this year than to awaken us to this gift of freedom that we have, this freedom to experience peace, to experience joy, to experience life, to experience hope. Say hope. We need these things, folks. This is so important to us as human beings. And the thing is, we can experience these things even in bad circumstances. The only one that's ever holding us back is us, and more specifically, our thinking our perception. And I want to get into this today because it's important. Now, now listen to me. We never are to pretend like the circumstances don't exist. Faith isn't pretending like the bad isn't really happening. Now, sometimes maybe we've been sold this idea from preachers and teachers and, and whoever, and maybe they didn't even mean it this way, but it comes off like, okay, if anyone asks me how I'm doing, I'm, I'm just going to, we think faith is pretending like everything's okay. But that's not faith. That's lying. Am I being too real? I, but here's the thing. We can state What's tr- what we see right now happening to us and what we're feeling and the emotions and what we're going through. But faith is saying, I see something else, though, that's already mine. I see a gift of peace and joy and life and hope. And even though I don't see it here in the natural right now, even though, even though I don't feel it, even though I don't feel very saved today, because we know saved is delivered, preserved, rescued, restored, right? We know all these things. Even though I don't feel that way, it doesn't change the truth about who I am and what God has already offered me. Does that make sense? So I definitely don't want to just sweep things under the rug and pretend like things don't exist. We don't want to act as if people aren't going through rough patches in life because they are. Again, we would just be lying to ourselves. And let me say, this is not freedom, 
pretending something isn't happening isn't freedom. It's actually fear. I don't want to speak it. Why? Because if I speak it, then I don't have faith. No, 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 no. You're, you're saying what's going on, but faith is saying I'm going to choose to go a different direction. But you can feel the way you feel. It's okay. It's interesting to me all the stories that Jesus goes through where, you know, even one man says, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Oh, so they can coexist? They do, folks. Do you know how many times that I'm saying, Lord, I believe you, but something somewhere in me is going, but I don't know. That's okay. Do you hear me? That's okay to feel those ways, but we have to lay hold of the gifts that he's provided us. And let me say this, how we respond to those circumstances or, or in the midst of the adversity is what really matters. Think about it. It's a renewing of the mind issue. It's getting proper perspective through the lens of the greatest gift of all, who is Jesus. And like anything in life, we can take it to the extreme, right? Not the extreme right, but we can take it to the extreme, comma, right? (laughs) One side could act like or pretend like there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on that's fake. There's nothing going on in this situation, and just sweep it under the rug, but that always comes back to bite you in the rear end, doesn't it? Or we have the other side that can propagate the idea that we're all doomed, all hope is lost, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. I think there's somewhere in between. We recognize, yeah, there's adversity, there's circumstances, that's, that's life, that's what happens. But man, there's hope, there's peace, there's life, there's joy. And it's already provided to me. Isn't that beautiful? So as believers, as followers of Jesus, I really do believe that we need to make sure that we're looking through the correct lens. And again, that lens is the greatest gift of all, Jesus. And these many layers of the gift, I believe, that include peace, life, joy, and hope. And let me tell you, there's such freedom when you embrace these layers of the gift. Do you hear me? There's such freedom when you embrace the truth of this gift that it's there. It's for your taking. Receive it. Embrace it. You can choose to operate in faith rather than fear in your life. In 2009, we were down in South Carolina, and my oldest son, Jonathan, had just graduated from Army Boot Camp and so we had gone down to, to see him graduate. We had a great time a couple days with him. It was bittersweet, wasn't it? Because then he had to go on to AIT, and the military owned him, so we didn't get to take him home with us. And so it was kind of bittersweet. But I remember Chris and I decided, you know, this was a great trip. Let's take advantage of this, and, and let's go on down to Florida and visit some family and spend some time down there. And so we jumped on a train. Anyone ever taken the train anywhere? We did because it was cheap. It was within the budget. But we we took this train ride um, from South Carolina down to Tampa, Florida. It was just, it was almost 11 hours. It was overnight. And so we're we're riding down. And when I first got in, I was kind of excited. I'm like, I've never taken a train, a passenger train. This is kind of cool, you know. And so we're we're riding in the train. Well, you know, of course, nightfall, you know, dusk becomes nightfall and it's time to go to sleep. And I usually can sleep pretty much anywhere. And I try to sleep, and I'm tossing and turning, I'm tossing and turning, and it's just, it's not the most comfortable seat. Of course, it's coach. I didn't get first class, but it just wasn't comfortable at all. And so we're about 10 hours into this trip, and I'm just tired. I'm cranky. Ask my wife. 
I'm ornery. I'm, I just, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't get comfortable. It just, I'm like, ugh. And with about an hour before we reach our final destination, Kristen looks down. I don't know what even gave you this clue. I'm going, she goes, what, what is this? And we look under our seat and there's this little thing that you can like click and you roll out. And it actually is like a reclining, like footrest that comes out. And then your, your seat actually goes back a little bit. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because it's already morning now. Everyone else around us had, is that what, maybe you looked across the aisle and said, what is that thing? Well, how do they rate? Oh, we have them too. But I mean, I'm, I'm almost 11 hours into a trip. I'm tired. I'm ornery. I couldn't sleep. And we didn't realize till the final moments that there's an actual footrest that comes out and you can recline back. Let me ask you, have you ever been in a situation like this in life? Have you ever had something happen like this to you? I mean, Chris and I, we, we were just completely laughing about this and talking about this yesterday. But, you know, hey, you have those situations where you didn't know that something was available until the last minute or after the fact. You ever been there like, oh, man, I wish I would have known that sale was going to happen. I wanted that item or these different things that happen in life. It's so frustrating, isn't it? Especially after the fact. When you could have enjoyed, you could have, you know, uh, uh, had the, the benefit of utilizing that thing or that situation, and yet it's already gone. You didn't know it was there. So we were just sitting there talking yesterday. I didn't really know where I was going to go with this message uh, yesterday and had a couple ideas, and I just started picking Kristen's brain. She writes all my material, so just, you know, kudos to her. But I said, man, babe, you know, let's talk about this year. And at first we just laughed out loud because that's kind of funny. What, what year, right? But talking about this year and really what we've gone through, you know, with 2020 being the way it has, I mean, being quarantined, having to do virtual school with your children. I love my kids so much. I just keep telling myself that. Um, but, you know, virtual school, how many have been there? Any parents online, raise your hand in the comments because, man, I just, I almost lost my salvation, I think, six or seven times during the school year. Thank God he's gracious. But, you know, honestly, we've, we've been quarantined. We've been having to do virtual school. I mean, people have been laid off. People have lost pay. They've lost family members. Family members have died. They're dealing with this loss. We've got this extreme polarization there's no more, we were talking about this this morning coming in, just with one situation that there's no middle ground anymore. You're completely one side or the other. It's like you can't even talk to people who believe differently than you. That's not the kingdom. But we have this extreme polarization. We have political arguments. I mean, not only was 2020 a pandemic and quarantine and loss of life and, and pay and people losing homes, being, evict being evicted, things happening like this, can barely have enough money for some people to, to eat. Not only that, it was a political year. Oh, dear God, that's hard enough on its own when everything is normal. And so we've had all these issues we've gone through and you know, we, we had to just, I said, help me, honey, encourage me. <laughs> and she did. Because it's in these times that even though we're, 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 you know, having a bad year and we're going into a new year, 
things aren't going to instantly change, are they? And so we have to understand that. You know, I used to love that, you know, the ball would drop and the cork would pop and it's all new and it's a clean slate. And I believe that it is going to be all new and a clean slate and it can be within you. Say within me. Because within you, no matter what time of year, it doesn't have to be, you know, December 31st into January 1st for it to be brand new clean slate within you. I mean, that's already been done over 2,000 years ago, right? But we have to awaken to that. We have to embrace that. We have to receive that. It's a gift that's given, but if you don't receive, you won't benefit from it. And so as we're talking about this, I'm like, you know, what do we do? What do we do in these situations? And she's like, well, first of all, you know, we can't allow our joy to be stolen. We've got to remain in peace. And she's saying this as someone who's, who's just like me, struggled with keeping her joy. Me struggling with keeping my joy. With keeping peace. With seeing real, good, prosperous life. Come on, is anyone with me? So the question comes down to what brings you hope? What brings you life? What brings joy? What brings peace? And so some of the ideas that we talked about were maybe putting aside the news for a little while. Maybe turn off that media. Because I know everyone gravitates one side or the other. I mean, it's just kind of natural. And I know we all think, no, 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 no. This is fair and balanced, whatever we watch. But it really isn't. And that's what we were talking about this morning is even if there's something good that happens from an individual or in society, they only want to talk about the negative and the bad because that's what gets us to click again and watch a little bit longer and get into a little more fear and, and let them guide us through life because, oh, God knows we need your help, social media. We need your, your help, news media outlets, because we don't know what we're going to do. But like you said, maybe we need to just click that stuff off. Maybe we need to take a little break from social media. This has been kind of like something I've said all year, right? And it's not something that, you know, the Holy Spirit said or just my own personal mantra, and we all need to do it. But, man, sometimes we need to disconnect from the things that are hurting us. It's not helping us. So what can we do in place of that? Well, how about, we talked about this, focusing on what's most important. We've really tried to focus on family, focus on good friendships. And in the process, we've, in here my heart, we've found maybe relationships. We thought, this doesn't help me at all. Someone else might be their friend right now, but this isn't helping me. Sometimes we have to make those hard decisions, don't we? And that's okay. It's not us saying that, you know, we will never associate with a person or that person's below us. It's just that person's not helping me right now. They're drawing me into negativity and they're taking me the wrong directions. It's okay to separate from people who are so toxic and don't know themselves and then say, Holy Spirit, help them, send someone their way. They need help, but I'm not the right one to do that because when I go and try to help them, I'm just dragged right into their stuff. Yeah. They do. They resist your help. That's a, that's a good sign of maybe when it's time to take a little break from someone, when they resist your help. That's good. I like that. See, she's helping me preach. So we've looked at things like family and, and good friendships and, and also helping others. One thing that this has done is it's, it's 
you know, we're pretty blessed. I mean, it's not been the best year, and the things, there's been some months we're like, whoa, <laughs> how do we get groceries this month? I mean, it's been pretty tight. You know, I mean, you may not know it, but I, I work as well. I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm bivocational. I actually say trivocational because I have a couple different things I do besides that. But, you know, in March and April, stuff dried up and there was nothing. And so it was tough. But praise God, he's gotten us through. We've had friends step up to the plate and help, which really had to challenge my pride. Because I like to be the one to help. How about you? But see, we've gotten through those situations. But there's people who literally, because school wasn't in session, their kids didn't eat. That's, that blows my mind. There's people who literally lost their loved ones. A friend of mine, his good buddy, was only, I think, 20, 21, lost his life to COVID a week after his dad lost his life to COVID. And so now you have a widow who doesn't have a child anymore. Can't imagine that, or a widow. I just, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine those things. So we've got it pretty good, but, but again, even through those situations, what do we do? And this has really challenged my thinking, because another thing about me and my personality, and this is something that I probably deal with, is I always felt the need to fill my schedule. See, I'm learning about myself, about my personality. I've uh, been studying some things about the Enneagram, and, and I'm learning something about myself. And it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person, but I find fulfillment, I find a sense of worth by doing things and having people go, wow, you did that thing. You want to hear something funny about this personality? They put on the list different people. The, the best things for them to do in life and, and the person with this personality is a pastor. I'm like, come on. Like, it was completely reading my mail. And I didn't want to be a pastor, Ruby. I ran from it, remember? For years. But see, we have to be careful that we're not gauging our life and success and our goodness and our worth on whether people are like, great message, pastor. Wow, you really, really got me stoked today. So, I, you know, for me, I'm just, I'm a go, 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 get stuff done kind of person. And so, I've had to challenge my thinking on always needing to fill my schedule. Even this weekend, four-day weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, you know, Sunday. I mean, sure, I'm working today, but this is fun. But I had this four-day weekend. It was all planned out, and I was telling my wife I got four days off, which she's excited about. She loves family, time spent together. Time spent together is like part of your love language. It just means something to her. And so for me to have four days off. But you know, it took me almost two days to just shut my brain down because I was guilty thinking of all the things that I had to get done. And I had to remind myself, at least for the first couple of days, I kept reminding myself, that will keep until Monday. That will lie until Monday. Let it go. And I was able to find my peace and enjoy. Because sometimes you just need that downtime, don't you? See, I don't want this year, what's left of it, and even the coming year to play out like my train ride did. Where there's a gift, it's already there. It's already there for me to receive, already there for me to enjoy, but we're never aware that it's there. A gift that will allow you to actually enjoy the here and now. See, this year has helped me learn how to enjoy the here and now. And it's been work for me on my personality, but there's still people out there 
who haven't enjoyed any moments. And I'm not taking away the bad things that have happened. I'm not taking away the bad circumstances or the adversity. But in the midst of all that, listen, we can find peace and joy and life and hope in the midst of all that. Does this make sense? I love this quote from Bishop Jamie Engelhardt. He says this, What would happen if the body of Christ would shift from declaring fear to faith, law to grace, hate to love, and declare the brightness of his coming instead of the darkness before his coming? Pretty powerful, isn't it? Can you see it? It all comes down to perspective. How are we perceiving things that are going on around us? What lens are we looking through when we see the bad circumstances around us? What is our response to adversity in our life or the life of others? Because it really matters when it comes to walking out this peace, this full life, this joy, and this hope. The gifts, by the way, that have already been given to us. Already been given. Say that with me. It's already been given. Say it again. So just a reminder that today is Communion Sunday. I have not forgotten. If you have not gotten your communion elements, just take this moment, go out into the foyer there, grab those elements. If you're online, you weren't aware, you can still partake. We're going to receive communion at the end of the message today, so go ahead and grab those elements. But before we receive communion, I just want to take a few minutes. Can you give me just a few more minutes? And I want to look at a portion of Scripture in the book of Isaiah. Say Isaiah. Now, the prophet Isaiah, this, this book, by the way, is over 60 chapters, so there's a lot in it. In the first five chapters, though, of the book, um, Isaiah himself was really a prophet of woe. Say woe. Woe. What was that show? Woe. Was that Joey? Joey Lawrence. Say, yeah, you know who it was. I was waiting for Jess to pick that one out. But it's not the prophet of woe. It's the prophet of woe. Woe unto you, Israel. Woe unto you, people of God. Those types of things. And so for the first five chapters of his book, he was a prophet of woe because of what he saw going on around him and because he was focused on the circumstances. His message was focused on what was going on around him. So I want to pick up here in chapter 6 of Isaiah when he suddenly finds himself in the throne room of heaven. Look at this. Verse 3. It says, and one cried, to the, one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is what? Full of his glory. Now, I want us to just stop for a second. I want us to get a picture of this. The first five chapters, he's the prophet of woe. He's suddenly caught up into heaven, seeing things from a different perspective, and he hears one cry, holy, 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 is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is, say is, full of his glory. Look at verse 4. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, can you imagine? This is, this is pretty crazy. I mean, for his vision, for him to see this, this was like earth shattering, earth shaking for him. And it's like he's being shaken into this whole different paradigm, this whole different way of thinking. So here's the question. 
If the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord, what is glory? Now, we discussed this before. The word glory in the New Testament is the word doxa or doxa. And it means what? A good opinion of. So have a good opinion. But see, this is the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew. The word uh, glory for Hebrew is the word kavod. K-A-B-O-W-D. Kavod. Here's what it means. Abundance. It means weight. It's like, it just carries a sense of weightiness. Like it's hefty. It's, it's full. You can really feel it. It, it means splendor or copiousness. Now, the word splendor means magnificent and splendid in appearance. Isn't that beautiful? And then the word copious means abundant in supply or quantity. And so you have the prophet of woe for the first five chapters. Now in verse 6, or chapter 6, he's caught up in the heaven, and he hears this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is, past tense, already done, is full of his glory. So think about this. First five chapters of the book, all Isaiah sees is the bad circumstances, the adversity, the sin, the issues. And so what does it cause him to say or to speak? Anyone? The bad circumstances, the adversity, the sin, the issues. But look at what he says in verse 5. So I said, woe is me. Now he's starting to shift. Because prophets are usually calling out, and, and for good reason. Prophets call out the nation when they're not doing the things they should do, right? But now he says, woe is me, for I am undone. Now I want you to catch this next line. Because I am a man of unclean what? Lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean what? Lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Something shifting. He sees God, he sees God's perspective, and he makes a statement, I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, when I've read or I've heard this phrase, unclean lips, in the past, I've just thought of him seeing himself as sinful. How about you? Like, you know, I'm, I'm a sinful man. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not worthy. I'm not measuring up. But think about this. Think about what he's saying, because it's very, very specific. He doesn't say, I am unclean. He doesn't say, I am full of sin. He says, I have unclean or sinful what? Lips. Now, this is really key. Because it's not speaking so much as to what we do or our actions in life. But more specifically, it's about what passes across our lips. What passes across our lips? Words. What we say. So all he sees is a negative, and in turn, all he speaks is a negative, and then he suddenly finds himself in the presence of God. His sight is opened, and what was revealed to him was what? That the glory, we could say, according to definition, the magnificent, splendid, abundant supply of the Lord has filled the entire earth. What does it say? The whole earth is, past tense, full of his glory. So when Isaiah could only see, according to this earth realm, what he was seeing, he would speak what he saw. 
on this earth. Then he's caught up in the heaven. What does he do? He sees a different way. He says, I have unclean lips. So his lens shifts from what he sees to what God sees. That's pretty powerful. But look at this in verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. Now listen, do you think Isaiah is going to hear this according to 21st century or what he's used to? Because we're like, angels, tongs, altars, what's going on here? Well, that's what they knew. They knew temple, they knew worship, they knew altars. So the angel takes a live coal, which means burning coal. It's on fire, right? Look at this. What does he do? And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. In essence, he's saying, We are cleaning up your mouth. Isn't that awesome? And it starts with what you perceive. Think about this. This is such a cool vision. I mean, he's the prophet of woe for five chapters and suddenly he appears in the presence of God and it shifts his paradigm. He has this complete paradigm shift, a complete rechange in his thinking. Why? Because he's seeing what God sees, not only what he has seen. And when he sees it, it awakens him to, whoa, my mouth, yeah, whoa, whoa, my mouth has been unclean. The words that I have been speaking aren't on point. Or how about this? They aren't according to what God sees. We could say it like this. The angel could have said, we're giving you a new way to see, thus a new way to say. Does that make sense? So his reaction is, I have unclean lips. Or we could say, help me change my confession and my perception from whoa, whoa, whoa to holy, holy, holy because the earth is not full of woes it's full of your magnificent splendid abundant supply think about this they were both looking at the same thing Isaiah was looking at the same thing that God was but they had a a completely different vantage point perspective of it isn't that cool His perception changed when he began to view things from the vantage point of grace rather than the vantage point of just the earth, rather than the circumstances, and that caused him to change the words he spoke from his lips. But look at verse 8, and we're going to wrap up with this. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, this is beautiful, Here am I. Send me. See, this just baffles me. Because what happens to Isaiah here is life-changing, mind-altering, completely changes the way that he sees things and changes the way that he says things. But do you see what the Lord goes on to do? He says, Isaiah... I'm so glad that you're seeing from my perspective now. I'm so glad that this this changing in your thinking has caused you to say things the way I would say them. You know, confession means to agree with, to say the same thing as. So what really happened was his confession was off, and so he had a visitation from God to say, hey, 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 I need you to confess. I need you to agree and say 
what I see, not what you see right now. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? See, not only did he change the way that he saw, which in turn changed the way that he spoke, but it gave him a heart to bring peace, life, joy, and hope to everyone else. And sometimes I think maybe we get to the place where we begin to see things differently and it's helped us for ourselves, but it's got to become so true within us that we begin to turn outward and say, wow, others need to receive this peace and this life and this joy and this hope. So then we in turn become those change agents. And I'm not saying it's easy. I mean, I have bad days where I'm not thinking of anyone else. In fact, I'm not really even thinking about myself because I'm not doing good things for myself in those moments. But what do we do? We spend time with our Heavenly Father and we say, I need some perspective changes. Amen? This shift in perspective changes what we speak and it opens our hearts to declare this to others. Because I've said it before that gifts aren't meant to be kept, they're meant to be given. So when we receive those gifts, we enjoy those layers. What do we do? We in turn give those layers and those gifts to others. I wonder what would happen if rather than proclaiming that everything is falling apart and that everything is getting darker and darker, we would instead proclaim hope and life. What if we, who are salt and light, the scriptures say, right, actually stopped pronouncing fear and anxiety and instead began to believe that the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth? This beautiful, magnificent, abundant life, it already is here. It already fills the earth. In fact, the scripture is going to say, in his government and peace, there shall be no end. Think of the results of that message. And we can be carriers. Let me say this. We should be carriers of this message. I want us to go ahead and take our communion elements right now. Go ahead and stand with me. If you're at home and you have those elements, you can sit by all means. But if you want to stand with us, just join with us here together in spirit. Hey, that's right. Someone's excited about communion today. I know that I am. Think about this. this is the last communion that we'll have together in 2020. And uh, not that it's more special than any other, but based on you know what we've talked about today, let's do this in remembrance of the freedom that Jesus has brought us. If you're needing peace today, because I'm sure whether you're here or you're watching online now or later, there's always moments of disruption of peace. But if you're looking for peace this morning, if you're looking for real true life, guess what? It's found in Jesus, the greatest gift of all. That's not just something cliche that we say on Sunday mornings, it's the truth. Are you looking to experience joy and hope again? I know I am. Let's do this in remembrance of that gift that Jesus 
has given us because it's all found in him. So go ahead and take your bread. And as we do this morning, one of the most beautiful symbols to me was when Jesus was sitting with his disciples and it says he took the bread and he broke it. What a symbol. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And for me, I've really, I've taken this to heart. Whenever I receive communion, whether it's here, you know, together, which is beautiful. I love what Jamie Englehart says, that that word remembrance, we're all members of, of the body and we do it together. We remember, we come back together in unity of spirit, which is cool, isn't it, Pete? But this really sticks with me, this whole idea of the brokenness that God himself, see, sometimes I think we, we try to separate. We have, we have good Jesus who loves us trying to convince the mean father that we're okay. But we're missing the point that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit never separate. So I think it's hard for some of us, especially in the Western culture, when we hear the words of Jesus and he said, this is my body broken for you, to actually think that the Father is saying the same thing. That when Jesus shows the nail scars that he took to prove his love, it's hard for us to conceive that God the Father has those as well. But they're in this thing together. And so that's the beauty again of incarnation, God in flesh. And so when Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, for me it stands out because it's like Jesus saying, listen, I want to allow myself to be broken so you can become whole. So if there's any area in your life, specifically living a full life, and I'm not talking about the Western idea of it, you understand me? But living a full life, a life that's full of joy and peace and hope, it's there for the taking. And I believe in this communion this morning that we can see that and say, wow, Jesus, you took the stripes on your back, you went to the cross, but it didn't end there. See, Jesus was broken, but I think at the same time, once that brokenness happened, when he rose again from the dead, he was whole again. He was showing us, I'm taking you through the portal, folks. This is what humanity is. Brand new creation bursting forth for over 2,000 years now. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's me. So as we take this this morning, I want us to receive the gift of peace, receive the gift of life, receive the gift of joy and hope because he's given it freely. So say, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave yourself and that you were broken so I could be made whole. I receive wholeness. I receive peace. I receive life. I receive joy. I receive hope. In Jesus' name take and eat. It says, and then Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood which ratifies and initiates a brand new covenant. I've said this before, but When Jesus walked this earth, he went about healing 
and bring an encouragement in life to every person he could. But there were literally people who rejected it. But one thing that's key, and I've said this before, but if you've never heard this, I want you to hear this this morning, that Jesus would often tell people before he said, rise and be whole, your sight restored. What would he say to them? Your sins are forgiven you. Man, before the cross, how can you do that? Because that's what love does. Love forgives. But there's something that happens. See, when you're provided the gift freely and it's sitting there, someone actually has their hand extended saying, I want to give this to you. If you feel like there's a divide, that you're unworthy and that you don't deserve it, you won't receive it. So this is what the blood means to me. The slate is wiped clean. And when the slate's wiped clean, it means I'm worthy. It means I'm acceptable. It means I'm pleasing. It means I'm set apart or holy. Wow, can I get a wow this morning? That's what we need to feel as human beings. Why? Because then we can freely receive the gift. So as you receive this this morning, as you take and drink, I want you to see that there's no divide between you and God. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate you from the gifts that he's already provided. I'm telling you, this is the gospel. This is how good it is that Jesus came to show us who we truly are. So just say this with me, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blood. It's a symbol that there's no division, that you're not holding anything against me. I have free access to you and all your gifts and all your provision. In Jesus' name, take and drink. Good stuff. There was another prophet, Habakkuk, and he said this. He said, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory as the waters cover the sea. In other words, it's already filled with glory. You just need to have knowledge or awareness of it. Haven't you found that that's your journey, becoming more aware of the gifts that are there and getting rid of the stuff that veils it so you can truly see it? I love this in the NLT version. It says, for as the waters fill the sea, get this, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. It's already here. Man, that's so beautiful. We already have this, this magnificent, brilliant, abundant glory. It's already here. The gospel is what we are to proclaim. And it's a gospel of peace, not fear and dread, because it's good news. So this morning, I want us to receive. I want us to take. I love that in the word receive in the Greek means to take. The peace, the life, the joy, and the hope that Jesus has already given to us. And let us be busy about the Father's business. And what is that? It's proclaiming the good news to all humanity all the people that you come in contact with, that the earth is already full of the glory of God. His will toward them is peace, life, joy, and hope.
Happy New Year. How many are ready for 2021? How many know there'll still be some adversity? How many know there'll still be circumstances? How many know we'll probably still be wearing masks? But despite all that, we can choose to receive the gift and we can live a full life. We can start to take advantage of what's right there before us that we've missed. Not just the gifts that he's given us, but what about your family and your good friendships? I'm telling you, man, all the money in the world can't buy a good friendship. It just can't. All the money in the world. There's people out there who their family relationships are so tainted and so broken, there's nothing left, or at least they can't see it. So I know that I'm, I'm really blessed. I have a wife who still loves me with all my imperfections and all my stuff. My God, if you saw a video of my life, you'd be like, how is he a pastor? I'm sure. Because I'm not perfect. I have issues. I have kids who still love me. And they see me day to day. <laughs> That's beautiful to me. I have friends who still consider me a friend, even when I'm not very friendly sometimes. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's us having grace for one another. And that happens that the more that we spend time with Father, the more that we spend time with Holy Spirit and we awaken to who we truly are. So I encourage you guys, as you go into this new year, know that everything won't be cushy and perfect. It's not gonna all be better because I heard right after the election, it would all be perfect again. And it's not, imagine that. So it's gonna take some time. But as we go through this, process, man, let's lay hold of that peace, that joy, that hope, that life that he's already given us. Amen. So happy New Year to you guys. We love you. We're going to continue praying for you. Hope to see you back here next week. Have an awesome week. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, We pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.